What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer. Welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, episode 103, why Amazon FBA is still the best way to sell online. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments. We transfer more than $150 million a day for e-commerce sellers just like you in helping over 1 million customers now to process over $90 billion in cross-border payments. That's right. 90 billion with a B, that's a lot of money. To start saving money today, sign up for a free ping pong counter link below. Again, that's going to be code CC Podcast. Make sure you sign up today. It's free to do. You're going to save yourself some money. You can apply it to your bottom line and start growing your business today. Go ahead and check that out a little bit later. Make sure that you mention Ryan Kramer sent you. Uh, a big welcome to our audience today. Welcome to Facebook. Uh, welcome for those who are watching on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Again, have you noticed that it's Monday? It's it's a crazy day, uh, a little bit later in the day, but things are st starting to catch on already from the weekend. But if you are which, watching us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, or Twitter, welcome. We appreciate you tuning in, whether this is your first time or your 103rd. I appreciate you tuning in for a little bit of time today. Hopefully you get a lot of value out of this episode, which I'm super excited about today. But do me a favor, if you're watching us live, go ahead and share this with your audience or go ahead and subscribe to us on social media, on YouTube, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Again, following us is the best way to know when we go live. I'm doing anywhere from two to five lives a week to bring you the best content in the Amazon e-business industry. My audience is, or my, I should say my connections are fantastic people who have sold any, as many as, you know, decades on the internet. Other Wise, they are service providers bringing you the best value and content to help level up your business. That's why you tuned in today. That's why you want to stay till the end. You want to make sure you get every ounce of information from these people because that's why we do it. That's why I'm passionate about it. And that's why you are here today. But do me a favor, go ahead and share that on social media to be notified of future episodes on Crossover Commerce as well. If you can't catch us live, no problem whatsoever. All of this lives on YouTube. And then we also will be releasing all of our season episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever there's a podcast, you can find it there. Just search Crossover Commerce and subscribe there. Season one, uh, 30 episodes are already located on there. Season two will be released here shortly. Uh, we have a big wave coming out. So be sure to subscribe on podcasts um, any, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast. Go ahead and do that and make Crossover Commerce part of your listen library as well. Um, about our guest today, if it was just about me, that would be one heck of a podcast, but it's not. It's about the guests I bring on the show, and that's why it's so fascinating and fun to listen to every time. Uh, our guest today has never been on the show, but we're excited to have him on as a first-time guest. Since 2012, Neil has been selling on Amazon using private label branded products from FBA. He has been building online businesses since 2007 after leaving his corporate career at IBM, and today... His team and himself help customers gain anywhere from fifty to hundred thousand dollars more in Amazon businesses through an eight-figure, eight-eight-year, uh, eight-figure sales, millions of units sold framework that allows limited PPC costs, organic and no rebate and no review or new coupon launches. Very fascinating. We can definitely dive into that today. If you have questions, again, you can submit those in. We'll make sure that we get those answered live here on Crossover Commerce. But his company is Voltage Digital, formerly TWA Digital, helping Amazon brand owners and those who want to become brand owners as well. Create successful brands done with them on Amazon and even done for them with our their Voltage Digital Media division that handles 100% done-for-you solutions for, around e-commerce and Amazon FBA. They Voltage helps launch, operate, and acquires e-commerce brands and focuses on Amazon FBA alone. Um, and they also own interest in multiple entities in e-commerce, SaaS consulting, business coaching, uh, consulting, and Amazon managed services as well. There's a lot to lot to dive into there, but we're super excited to have on Neil Twa of Voltage Digital. Neil, welcome to Crossover Commerce. How are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you today? Oh man, it's it's great. It's a Monday. I can't complain. It just feels like you're. It was Mother's Day weekend, so yeah. if you're what you're you're a 
a dad of four girls, if that yeah, if I that's remember right. correctly. That's right. Man, my <laughs> my mind is my mind's hanging in there today. So Dude, that's you awesome. It. Yeah, you had a mouthful there to get 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 started today, man. That's quite a bit going. going <laughs> hey, you're experienced. Uh, so, uh, you're experienced all over the place on Amazon. That's why we brought you mm -hmm. on, and that's why you reached out. But I'm excited. How was Mother's Day weekend for? Your wife? Uh, it was great. You know, we kept it pretty low key where we were uh, here um, just because uh, one of the kids wasn't feeling terribly great. Um, so we're like, well, we better not drag that around to the moms. So we kind of postponed a little bit of the Mother Day activities, uh, Mother's Day activities, I should say, until next weekend. Um, gotcha. So, just, so we had a low key fun time, watched some movies, had popcorn, just kind of played around and just took it low key. So it was That's good. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds great, but with four girls, it's kind of like chaotic, right? Is it yeah, always it's like kind fighting of always over? is a little bit go 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 all the time um, because of where we are, obviously, uh, in terms of our life uh, with four children, twelve and under. Um, we keep very busy. My youngest is eight, um, as you mentioned, all girls, and we homeschool them too. So we keep a very wow. busy lifestyle uh, of, of family <laughs> and friends. And, yeah, on the hilltop where we live in, in the acres, we have about 40 acres. We also maintain we have about a 1,500 square foot garden we keep busy with. We just started planting this past weekend uh, as well. And then uh, my parents are on the hill. Her parents will be moving up to the five acres on the other side of our hill. And then on the wow. next five, uh, seven and a half acres, my aunt and uncle. Uh, we'll be moving actually there very shortly. So we'll have about 64 acres between the families when we're all done at the moment. Holy smokes. And this is in Missouri, correct? It this is, is, yeah. On the okay. Ozarks and the mountains. Yep. That's a Well, that, yeah, hopefully it's not like the show, The Ozarks, on Netflix. No, I uh, haven't heard that, but a lot of people <laughs> recommended we should check that out. And I'm like, I don't know if that really represents the Ozarks. Uh, maybe it does. <laughs> yeah. Lot, lots of, uh, we'll, we'll skip over the semantics, but it's definitely yeah. like, a, like a drug ring and things like that. Definitely, I'm assuming yeah, not like, just, but it, it is actually well there. Be possible. It could very well be possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, and summertime is super popular there because of, super you know, just outdoors, people can camp or just stay for the summer. Is Absolutely. that like, you guys are away from all that, right? It sounds we like we are. Yeah. So you go one direction an hour, you hit the Branson area, which is fun. Love to go there. Silver Dollar City. It's a great little town with so much uh, cool stuff to do down there. Um, but you go the other direction um, down uh, 60, about an hour, and then you get into the country. Then you go uh, another three miles past the, the 1900 person town. And then you go another mile down a dirt road. And then you find us. Um, way out in the boondocks. So that's why I jokingly say I'll hold my internet connection as long as the chickens keep running on the wheel. Exactly. Uh, online. <laughs> well, you're you guys are technically in the Midwest, and this is the yep. running joke I play with my co my company, and then everyone who watches the show or listens to the show is the Midwest. No one thinks about e-commerce or businesses in the Midwest. They think coast, yeah, 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 uh, either West sure. Coast or East Coast. But you're in the middle of the country. Whatever comes out of Missouri, how is it possible you guys can have technology out of Missouri? It's like, well, man, we're in the 21st century, and and it's 2021, and it's digital world we're living in, right? Exactly. Um, and that's, that's kind of the thing we've had nomads on this show and I, yep. I mean, nomads like people traveling the world can work from anywhere. You, you have roots down in the Midwest. Yep. Uh, but what, what's kind of your background? I know we kind of ran through your rap. Oh yeah. Yeah. Would well, you, like have you always been in e-commerce or you said IBM before you jumped Yeah. In? Well, let's summarize real quick through it. So it's not boring to people. We can get to, I can get to the value of what we're talking about instead of just For myself. Sure. Um, in simple 32nd terms, um, I have been, uh, you know, online and since university days, like um, I'm not terribly old, but we aren't that far into the internet age, actually. Um, got my teeth cut on it, it during college, uh, learned I had an aptitude for the business and the programming and the e-com side, but they didn't really have it. So I bounced out of college. I'm like, why am I spending money in college when they're not going to teach me about e-commerce? Uh, so I jumped in the corporate world where I could learn about it and get hands-on experience. Uh, at my third year of college, I jumped out with less than like 30 hours in a and a business science degree and a computer science undergrad. And I was like, yeah, that's not really going to help me. So I tried to teach myself programming and just pulled myself up by my bootstraps. You know, the, the simple phrase for my life is it's who you know that gets you in. It's what you know that keeps you there. And so much of it has been relationship driven uh, in business for me. Uh, and then learning applied knowledge and just continually adapting and changing. And so eventually I, I got pretty good at the knowledge management system side and, and project management and had some very good successful projects under my belt. And that led me up into the uh, corporate side of Sprint uh, as an employee and did very well on some projects there. Some of the first uh, knowledge management internal projects the, the corporation ever launched. I got to be a part of that. Um, you know, there was like 5,000 people when I joined the PCS division when it launched, uh, which was the wireless. And there was like 80,000 when I left. There was about 6,000 customer reps and 25,000 when I left. So the company grew explosive in five years. And oh, I got into IBM. I basically did really great on a project and a couple partners there. 
Uh, one of them took a chance on me. He said, you know what? You did so great on this. Let's get you to Armonk and interview. And I did. And, and they let me into IBM. <laughs> so I spent almost five years in IBM uh, traveling the country. It was been uh, not I've been moved, but I've been um, moved around. So I traveled all the time, two, three uh, times a week. Uh, in and out of the country, I got to sit in some of the largest uh, corporate boardrooms of the world and handled some amazing projects and got to meet some amazing, uh, really great, super smart people. I had the honor of working on just technology so beyond my understanding that I barely tried to keep up with these guys um, at uh, Armonk, where we uh, got to play a little bit on the Watson computer and learn about artificial intelligence and human machine language and learning and technology and latent semantic search engines and all this stuff. That really had to do with how do you get something in front of somebody who wants it and get it there as fast as possible or even predict what they want. And that really led me later into e-commerce. And, and we'll kind of talk about that because Amazon's uh, search engine is a latent semantic search engine and it's a knowledge engine. It wants to learn about customers and it wants to sell you something in 30 seconds or less. Uh, and when I saw that opportunity, I thought, dang, I can figure this out. It's technology. It's numbers. Uh, yeah. and that's when we started launching products on Amazon. Um, we started Hail Mary stuff based on its numbers. Uh, so you, you were, do, you were, you tell yourself like, Hey, you, you started from the very beginning. I say beginning, like this is not, again, we talk about this as it's not 50 years ago. It's not like, no, it's not decades ago. This is no last decade. This is like the last 10, 12 years or so that you yep. kind of saw the opportunity and saw it, where it could about eight years go. ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had affiliate marketing background for a while. I was running a lot of paid gin. I got some companies, series a funding, uh, raised capital for businesses and acquisitions and stuff. Prior to that, had a really fun life experience going bankrupt. Don't recommend it, but it's not the worst thing in the world that can happen to an entrepreneur. Um, there are worse things like never getting back in the game. Uh, and so I kind of reinvented myself around affiliate marketing and product uh, marketing and then realized that I should be the product owner too because I was doing great at getting the customer. And that's when Amazon stepped into the game about 2012. Uh, after I saw the way they had the engine, the products, the way you could determine the numbers, the competition and market opportunity, uh, which was like a two lane highway when I started and it's like a seven lane highway now. Um, I thought, man, this is where I want to be. This is going to be a fun playground. And I just dove in head first, spent years basically figuring out how the system worked and met my business partner who was very good on the financial and operation side. And we kind of teamed up. Uh, and then we just went like crazy, man. We were launching products and brands. And because uh, we were just uh, learning the system that it wanted and having a dance with it, the it's called the A9 engine. It's just this big filing system of technology, right? For products. And we just learned to dance with it. And uh, by the time we got into around 2015 or so, we were doing very, very, very well on Amazon and grabbed some attention of quite a few people. And they asked us to start, you know, consulting and coaching and what are you doing and how are you doing it this way? And it's crazy. And by the time we got into 2016, we were running events of about 500 to 1,000 people per an event. Um, Which is a lot even nowadays. It is. It was a big, fun run. Um, we had some changes to that and we just went back to the business for three or four years. And about a year and a half ago, I got approached by an investment company that said, you know, you got a lot of companies, you got a lot of people in your network. We want to start buying these. And I thought, oh, that's fascinating. And I said, you know, I don't work a hundred hours a week and just start all these companies so you can buy them. And, and the guy, I remember very succinctly saying, why, why don't you start your coaching program again? And with the intent of getting people to sell these companies. And I'm like, well, that's a really smart idea. I wish I'd thought of that on my own. Um, right. So we did. We started Voltage with the understanding that the uh, purpose of the structure was to stay very limited to who we work with, uh, very targeted on the approach, and in essence, replicate the CEO level role uh, that an Amazon business requires. Um, because it is an Amazon business. People think it's a side hustle. And, and truly, if you treat it like a business, it will reward you like a business. If you treat it like a side hustle, it'll end up burning you. Uh, and most recently, I posted on my Facebook page about some people who just got burnt. Uh, I don't know if you saw that post or not, but uh, no, no, yeah, that was the thing. Like we we got connected on Facebook recently, uh, maybe today even. Like uh -huh. this is the thing is like people are putting out so much thought leadership, and this is why I thought it was fascinating to go over this subject with you is mm. because a lot of people are like maybe we should diversify more, maybe we should do off of Amazon. You're sure. kind of taking the opposite approach and saying, hey, now let's not abandon the the Amazon machine. There's just so much out there to be focused on, I want to say Amazon FBA is still the number one thing and it's still going to continue to yield resource for sellers. The barrier to entry has just gone up way more. There's a lot more barriers to overcome, but the people who are going to overcome those barriers, hey, we'll those are going to be the people who are going to be, yeah, yeah, like you said, we'll make money and we'll be They will take the majority of the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And we play a very white hat game in this market. 
meaning that we are, you know, not faking reviews, not in buyer groups, not in all this other nonsense. And, and one of the things I posted, just to be very clear uh, for those who may not see it, was uh, in relevance to Amazon closing a bunch of accounts, um, some very high right. level accounts, even companies doing eight, nine figures, they closed them down because they were part of black hat groups, buying groups, fake review accounts. And Amazon's system is just getting more and more mature in its analytical and forensic auditing of data. Um, it is a data driven, as we talked about, right? Um, so they're getting very right. good at tying those data points together and, and they're starting to implement those in their in their current version of the system. Uh, and because of that, you know, they're catching quite a few um, frauds. They're catching quite a few companies that, you know, by all intents and purposes, thought they might avoid any repercussions of buyer groups and fake review networks. Um, right. And at the end of the day, they didn't get away with it. Uh, but the, people want to blame Amazon. Yeah. And it's a funny, it's like a little story about the wolf and the sheep. You've ever heard the story about the wolf that goes out, there's five sheep in a, in a pasture and the wolf kills one of the sheep, and tears it apart. And the other four look at them and say, did you see the teeth on that wolf? And they're like, yeah. So they all tear their teeth out. Right. And they're like, yeah, now we're not going to have that problem anymore. It's like, no, why? I mean, the wolf, the teeth, you're missing the point. Right. Like <laughs> you just can't follow the sheep. And, and what they're telling you right now is, well, abandon Amazon. There's no hope. It's all terrible. They'll close your account down with no with no uh, remorse. And the truth is, if you're jacking with the system, that will happen. I've lost a million dollar account on Facebook ads because I there was one word phrase they didn't like, which triggered the last compliance component. And they banned me and won't restore my account. Do I blame them because I didn't they didn't like the words I used? No, not really. It's ultimately my problem. Uh, at the end of the day. So don't blame Amazon, the inanimate, you know, inanimate object of a company, if you're doing things that are not within the terms of service, even if they're, you know, management uh, in terms of the way you've done it in the past, you probably want to change it really quick, right. because the opportunity is still very much there. In the article, I think you're referring to, and I did see it pop up a couple places was Amazon hunted down and found this, this big network of fake reviewers, fake seller accounts that were all tying, people were buying, for lack of a better word, buying reviews through these review farms, essentially, um, that were all over the world. They were tied back to, they found like invoices, they found all this like WeChat history. A of, lot of data from- A, a lot of data from early. from different like high level yep. sellers, yep. which they didn't name who they were, I don't no. think, correct? No, right? they didn't actually So, name them. so uh, but that being said, they went and they, they leveled out everyone who they could tie back to, uh, their accounts, shut them down even as recently as this past week, um, yes. weekend. Correct. And, uh, those people are no longer allowed to sell on Amazon or banned for a very long time or very I, hard I don't know what the accounts back when you're completely banned. And, and in all transparency, I've had one account removed in the last eight years, uh, of all the accounts we've started. Um, we have, uh, it was basically one of those data deals where, uh, not the account we own, but an account that was tied to a client account. Uh, that had a connection, a data point to that account got closed down. And it was a temporary holding account that wasn't selling. And so it wasn't a great loss, but it did help us recognize one uh, and two layers of additional data points that they have put into the system uh, that we now added into our training to ensure people don't get those mistakes made. But it, again, it wasn't a big loss for us, but it was a good learning lesson. And it did really show uh, the power of Amazon's ability now to really track and engage uh, in compliance measures. And again, does that mean there's no opportunity? Absolutely not. In fact, there's more opportunity now because new niches have opened up within those uh, previous uh, niches that these companies are bailing out of. Um, the the right. rumored number is closer to 200,000. It's not the biggest uh, group that will be attracted. The, the, the buyers list of about 75,000 or so people that were in that group that tied back to some of those major companies. Of course, they get the publicity. It's the everyday mom, pop businesses that were doing the wholesale, retail, online arbitrage stuff that got blown away that don't really make the news. Um, but there were a lot more of those who were not in compliance and simply not following Amazon's new rules. Uh, what, is, what does Amazon want? Like, let's talk about that, right? Because that's a good, that's right. an important point to, to transverse to. Um, in this you know, segue, it is that they want brands. They want actual business-driven brand affiliation that leads their platform away from eBay and away from Etsy and away from Walmart. They want to differentiate themselves as more brand-driven affinity. Uh, they don't want to be seen as the you know internet uh, eBay of the world. They don't want to be seen as a garage sale. Um, they want to take on Walmart, but they want to do it in more brand-driven. And in fact, they're building their brand-driven group a, a lot. They've moved a new VP into their seller performance, and they're really focused on those companies who are building good assets, building good brands, and they don't mess with us. Um, they don't mess with those folks when you have that. When you have your brand registration, when you have your trademark, when you're an actual LLC, when you're selling like a real seller seriously and you're not, 
using fake review groups and messing with this or even manipulating the launch process of your product in that first 90 day window, you're going to have plenty of success and plenty of opportunity. It requires patience. Um, and as I refer to it as it's true e-com, it's true business building. And it's just one marketplace that you can move to. Um, so I do say that those who are just getting started with brand building, Amazon's a great place to test your products. It's also a great place to grow your products. Uh, do we diversify from those? Absolutely. We move into other marketplaces too. Uh, once you basically prove a brand and product on Amazon, you can take it just about anywhere uh, and prove it in other places. You can take it to Shopify. You know your avatar, you know your demographic, you know who's buying your products. Uh, even just recently, they're now in beta for email marketing to your customers, which wasn't right. a thing you could do previously, which is a big deal. We can now email market uh, to our customer lists, right? Um, get to a certain level of sales and Amazon does the marketing for you. I remember one time I was on um, on the couch hanging out on the weekend and my buddy mails me, uh, you know, texts me and he's like, hey, I just saw your product on ESPN. I'm like, what? He goes, like, I didn't put my product on ESPN. He's like, yeah, I just saw it come across the scroller. Uh, and sure enough, Amazon had picked up some marketing for one of our products and, and brought it out there, uh, which is great. You know, they will do that when you run by brands. And it's not um, it's not something they won't do for any sellers. We have plenty of sellers that have launched their products and gotten significant push by Amazon uh, because Amazon, again, wants to see those good brands develop. Right. And here's a hint. If you're not selling more than five branded products in a brand, you're missing out on a lot of the uh, technology that will push you forward in the system from ranking to marketing to all kinds of other stuff. Here's a little pro nugget for you guys there. Um, if you go and look at the majority of sellers, in fact, Jungle Scout just did a survey recently uh, with something like 76% of all sellers have five or less SKUs. So again, 76% of you out there who are selling on Amazon and listening to this, or if you're considering launching a business or brand into Amazon, you need to look forward to not the first product, but the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 10th product. At that point, Amazon sees you as a whole different kind of business uh, and they treat you very differently. And again, there's huge upside. So yeah, while, they, while everyone's going downstream, I may be the salmon going upstream uh, a little bit um, against the wind, but they're still super, uh, I mean, we've launched 60,000 products in our software since 2014 in FBA. Okay. We've seen all the product launches you can possibly imagine. And it's given us enough data to understand, as you mentioned, when we first started talking a minute ago uh, about how to get a product launched with no reviews and no ranking manipulation and no fake account stuff. And, you know, even no PPC just to test the product. We have a process we do that by. Um, and there's a post on my wall. You guys could go check out as proof for Susan, one of our business builders, just launch a product and um, it's already ranking organically. No marketing, no PPC, no fake reviews, no nothing. Just at this moment, Amazon's organically picking it up and moving it out. Um, we have a, a number of case studies, one in particular uh, in the toy niche where we did this. And, and within two weeks, we sold 2000 units of our product. Um, and then we ramped it up from there with marketing and PPC. So there are, are plenty of fun places to play. Uh, we estimate based on all that data for launching and all the opportunities that are out there, the 600 million products or so, I think there is my 580, 600 million at the time of recording this roughly. Um, there are about 12 million of those that we've identified uh, that will take you to six, seven, multi seven, eight figures. Uh, 12 million is more product opportunity that you can data mine in your entire life. There's actually so much opportunity once you focus on it, you know, until one result. Um, so the final point to make here to summarize, because I've been rambling on here for know, eight <laughs> minutes now, uh, is really is the cash flow. Uh, Amazon is a good biweekly cash flow opportunity. It allows you to get involved with the subscribe and save and build up a continued business revenue off of that simple uh, subscription style revenue. Uh, once you get your product up and running and people need to order it every you know three months, one month, whatever type of product you're you're sending in the market, there's an opportunity to do that. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, revenues don't matter. That's vanity, right? Profits are sanity and cash flow is king. Uh, and that's one of the beauties we love of this model because it allows you to build products uh, in the way we do it uh, that will be there for months and years to come. We have products that have been selling for five plus years organically every day, week and month. When you do it the right way, it's a big opportunity and you just keep diversifying. Uh, and so, again, for those who you don't get started or launching or even looking to build faster, um, I have a verifiable proven case study. So I can say this out loud of, of someone who did this strategy with us and in nine months broke 5 million a month in sales. And that's uh, verified and you can go check that out on my case studies. Um, he's a big, that's what everyone wants to do. <laughs> well, that's what everybody wants to do, but are you right. willing to put up the million dollars that he did to do it? Right. Um, because that's what it took, 
right? It was real business building and he took it as such and he treated it as such and he even put team members on there and they built up systems and processes and they followed along with us and we taught him how to be a CEO. Um, at that point, he came to us, they, was, they were doing about 15,000 a month and spending about 25,000 a month to figure that out. Um, when they you know, broke th- a million a month in three months, they were pretty happy. Uh, once they figured out how the system worked and the honest fun of that case study is it started in 2015 and they're still running uh, last check 60 million last year on FBA. So it's a five year business. Um, and that's just one piece of a larger company that they expanded out to over 200 million a year in sales. Uh, great case study, great guy. Just, you know, most of my case studies are revealed within six to 12 months. So if you have real business expectations and Amazon is a real opportunity and you want it to run for three to five years or more, then take the six to 12 months it takes to really build a significant brand opportunity. You, It won't let you down. It really won't. <laughs> and there are plenty of people buying stuff on Amazon, no doubt about it, and plenty of profit to be made too. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of things you can kind of dissect in that. Mm-hmm. When you have your, your case studies and people are launching or just starting out on Amazon, first, and, first case and foremost, it's no longer passive, right? We no. both agree on that. It's it's full-time business. It's investing in putting in the time and resources together so that you can be an efficient business and actually operate it as a full-time job first, but you can also operate it to a point where you can level it up and you don't have to spend 40 hours eventually. No, you road. don't. You can spend 10 hours a week. And by my definition, that would be considered passive, right? Um, right. You can hand it off to a team who will do it for you and spend less time doing that. Um you know, time is not the measurement of opportunity. Let's just be very clear, right? Uh, opportunity is seen in how long you can run the business and how profitable it is and, and how much cash flow it can spit out uh, every month. Um, and that's really what it gets down to. The profit margins of this business can be done very well. Um, we look at uh, you know 18 to 20% uh, EBITDA or what's called triple net uh, on the business. And if you're maintaining that, you've got a really good cash flow process and e-com is fantastic in that way. Um, so we only go out, go after products that are 30, 50 to $300 in retail. That's one of the things we don't do that, uh, is go after the $20 products that you see so many other coaches and gurus talking about in the 80%. Um, I've coached a number of those people out there and I know they got caught in that. So be careful with what you spend on those products because there's a lot more money to be made. So you're, you're going higher end luxury, more products that, you know, obviously it's the higher barrier to entry is much more expansive like you're gonna have to put down a lot like you said this person put down in your case study a million dollars because five million mark he did right to reach that five million mark so is that where a lot of people do you think people are looking at that 25 dollar threshold just because it's easier to get in that way like that barrier insulin becomes a little bit lower and people can overachieve step one okay well and because they've been led into it by a lot of coaches and and quote unquote gurus i hate to use that phrase because it's an mmo phrase i work on the consulting and business management side uh at the end of the day the market opportunity is determined by what the market will bear and whether or not you believe in your current uh, life that someone would pay $49 for something they might get for 25, you're missing the abundance that is the opportunity and you're still locked into scarcity a little bit. Uh, and there's so much scarcity in this model of business. So let's just overcome that for a second. Uh, the truth of the matter is there's just as many people buying $49 products as there are people buying $13 products on Amazon, okay? Uh, there is a little bit more barrier to entry, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you work a process by the numbers to define what a profitable product is, uh, you can launch a smaller product that piggybacks onto another one. And maybe that first one cost you 1700 bucks to launch, right? And maybe the next one costs you 17000 And maybe the big one somewhere down the line in two or three years costs you 170000 because now you got a real business running and you can afford that capitalization. Uh, it isn't really how much you get in the business in terms of it. It's the ROI and how fast you can pull it out. Uh, we typically run a product analysis by the numbers. It says when a product goes to market, it has 90 days or less uh, to turn that inventory over in our test. And if it does that, that product has huge upside and opportunity. And then the cost is what it is to be in the market. Um, it is uh, the cost of logistics. It is the cost of marketing. It is what it is. We have a 47 column spreadsheet that we've ran millions of units through. Okay. It's a business management sheet. It's our hub, if you will. And you know, you may laugh and be like, well, why isn't this a dashboard or a complicated system? It's like, you know what? I was in Sprint at one time and I used to joke that we could basically take the entire network down by just pulling one cord out of the wall. 
Um, you would not believe how many of these large corporations <laughs> are running on spreadsheets and you know what seem to be you know six plug adapters in the wall. And it's like, good grief. Uh, so at the end of the day, it's more important for you to understand your customer. If you understand your customer, you will double your revenue. And I think a lot of people don't take the time to understand their customer. And it's one of the things we've done and we train and coach and consult on is we take 80% of the time sharpening the ax so that we make one good swing uh, when the time comes to go. And when we do that diligence, we know our market, we know our three to five competitors, we know our profitability, we know how we're going to borrow ethically their advertising, steal their customers, and then take them over in six to 12 months and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, and then we have that business running for years. Um, so yes, there's some upside to it. Yes, there's a little more cost to getting involved at this kind of business level, but at the same time, the kind of rewards that people expect don't happen on a $97 investment. And I think there's a lot of, you know, MMO style uh, things going on, make money offers kind of things, instead of how do I make business? Uh, and real business is done with some capital investment. And, you know, there's risk in all of that, of course. Um, but once you understand the numbers and once you understand how to choose the products and what the hell to sell, as we like to jokingly call it, uh, you know, once you understand what that person wants and who they are and how you can define them as your customer avatar, you will double your revenue. It's just getting in the market. So why, why is it one, why is it this kind of customer persona, or I should say seller persona, why is one seller looking at an investment of a dollar amount, like $50,000, $50,000 to run a business appropriately versus $50,000 to just buy something. And they're like, Hey, I want to buy like a car for 50 grand. But it's, but when it comes to investing fifty thousand dollars into yeah. a business, they mm -hmm. balk at it and they're like, "Nope, I need a lower." Why, well, why is the seller mentality a monthly payment? And it's the idea that, well, I can afford that much car because I'm paying four hundred thirty-five bucks a month for it for eighty-four months. Um, but at the end of the day, that's a you know, it's a misnomer of a of an actual liability that says, "Well, I have that car and it's justified because it gets me to my office job, it gets me to my work, it gets me to what I'm doing." Uh, at the end of the day, it's that kind of thinking that will ultimately sabotage you from understanding how a real business does work. Uh, yes, we you know utilize credit, but credit is applied uh, very differently in a business uh, with a totally different mindset. Um, uh, debt is a liability when not used against assets. So we will take risk capital and uh, initially into the business to determine that a product or a brand is going to go to market. And then we leverage capital against the sales of that product. We don't leverage capital until we launch that product. Once it's launched and it has sales, leveraging capital is just a matter of a tool. Um, you can't go build a house without a hammer and you can't do it without nails. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, obviously you've got to understand how to build that foundation and where to apply the hammer properly so you don't slam your thumb. Uh, and I think a lot of people just go grab a nail and start swinging grab a hammer and start swinging, but they don't grab both and they don't understand how to apply it correctly. Talking uh, about quantity over quality, basically. Quantity over quality, yeah. And it really is a, a, a misunderstanding of what it takes to drive a business forward. Um, and this is not just 2021. Um, this is this is 10 years, 12, 20 years of experience. Uh, online, business online, making money, watching how money is made. Uh, and it has a really different uh, approach to it uh, when you understand when to apply capital uh, versus just taking on risk and uh, buying a car at 50K is taking on risk. Uh, at the end of the day, one of those claims I hear and maybe where you were headed a little bit is, um, you know, taking an opportunity uh, is only something that you can do if you're privileged or only something you can do if you're giving given help. In the end of the day, that's actually not true, right? There's, it's a bit of a lie that I might attack a little bit in our community and uh, today. Uh, that has to do with no opportunities, right? And the truth is there is opportunities. I launched my first product on $1,000, right? And I had to borrow it because I was literally coming off the back end of a, of a uh, bankruptcy, as I had already mentioned. And being raw and transparent with you, uh, I like to joke that it's eight years to an overnight success um, because at the end of the day, I put risk capital in. When those products start selling, I put some more risk. And then when I started to sell, I went and borrowed money from friends, family, and credit cards, and I bought more products. But I was willing to take that risk once I knew that it was working. And any business to start up does require a little bit of risk involved. So don't spend 50,000 on a car, go buy one for 3K that gets you to your job, take the other money and invest it in something that in three to five years will buy you your dream car for cash. Um, and, and think about it very differently, right? Instead of the short term, think about the long term, right? It, it does right. have a lot of opportunity when you do that.
And it seems, Neil, like there's this disconnect with online because it's all happening online. There's no like retail store to purchase. You're not buying physical storefront to put goods in. You're not, you're not tangibly handling those transactions on a day-to-day basis. That's right. Everything is so, uh, it's digitalized in the component of like, just like credit card, right? If people have trouble with credit card debt, most often than not, there's not that tangible takeaway feeling that they're uh-huh. taking from you. It's almost like I can spend as much as I want, but it doesn't have that. It doesn't release that same, I believe, dopamine in your um, head <laughs> that it's it, saying right? like, hey, something's taken away from me. I don't want to give you $3, but if it's $3 in my credit card, psh, I don't care. It doesn't matter because you're not t- tangibly taking something physical away from me. Yeah. Do you think that that's why that applies to digital commerce? Well, yes and no, right? Because one of the things we do make our clients do is get a physical product in their hands as quickly as possible for their samples. Why? Because that brings a tangible connection uh, to the virtual work they're doing on their computer with their spreadsheet. Once they see that product, once they once they touch it, once they have it in their hand, there's a there's a connection that makes sense all of a sudden. Uh, just to the sample, even if they don't see the other orders or the the minimum order quantity, or at some point they're obviously not going to go touch a forty foot container. Um, but once they have that initial product and they touch it, they have a, they have a connection to it. It kind of fills the 360 degree gap that's in their brain. And and you're right. You do need to touch that. But here's the thing. If you want to touch a product that you can sell on Amazon, I would encourage you to just look around, uh, go into your Amazon order list and see what you've purchased. All right. Go back and find that product and touch it. Why? Because it usually, uh, is 60% of the sellers on Amazon are third party or more than 60 now, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, 6570 is yeah, it's, it's actually quite a bit more. And at the end of the day, you're touching a product that one of my people or us or somebody in a third party uh, seller relationship like us is sold that product to you. It didn't actually come from Amazon directly. You may not even realize that right now on this call. Maybe you do. Um, but at the end of the day, those products are products that you can sell. Um, those are products that you can move in the market and, and sell yourself. Um, so if you want something tangible, yeah, go touch it tangibly. Um, at the end of the day, it is a great way to connect to the business, but you also need to understand that, um, this is such an incredible opportunity right now to build e-commerce in 2020, uh, the first three months, first quarter, you can go check this out. It was, um, uh, a research, uh, you can go Google it, uh, from, uh, I believe it was bank of, or you know, bank of America and Forrester research. If I remember correctly, uh, 10 years of growth in three months. 10 years of growth in right. three months in the first quarter of 2020. Guys, we had accounts that were doing around 2,000, 3,000 a day that jumped to 15,000 a day just because we were in the market, right? Um, they predicted that by 2030, even up as, uh, as far as 2040, 21 trillion in that report uh, is showing that it will move from retail to online. So if you're waiting to get in, you're going to miss a window. And we're in that window. It is not gone yet. Uh, it is only tightening. Uh, a little bit. It is still there in terms of opportunity, but very soon uh, that opportunity will close. And those who don't take the time and uh, interest in getting involved in e-commerce of any kind, whether you choose Amazon or not, if you're looking for a way to build an online business, um, to build a brand that has intrinsic value so that at some point it's worth more when you sell it uh, than at any time when you're building it, then you really should consider physical products, right? They are assets. You will have inventory. You're putting your money into product. It's not a digital, uh, info product. Okay. It may have digital listings on amazon.com, uh, for those of you out there punking away, buying some of you right now, probably listening to this. Um, but it does have a physical component to it and it is asset driven. And should you need to recoup that asset, you can always take it somewhere else and recoup it. Uh, to get your investment back. So that's one of the things we love about this model um, is that they are, uh, there's big returns. Maybe we want to talk about that for a second, kind of talk about yeah. the last component of the of the model as you build this whole thing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, well, we call it the platinum principle. Um, it's sort of a play on the golden parachute uh, that the, you know, if you build this company and you get to the CEO, you can get a golden parachute in retirement, the company plane and the checks and you walk out and, you know, your life is all cushy until you die. Um, well, we thought, okay, we, we're not going to be doing that. Uh, so what do we call ours? We call ours the platinum principle. And that's really the concept that when you build, uh, these businesses from the ground up with the right structure in mind, the right framework, an LLC, you put your brands, you get your intellectual property and trademarks in there. Uh, these businesses are worth a lot. Um, 2018, uh, the multiple sale of a business on its profit or otherwise known as its EBITDA or EBITDA, I guess, if you're in Canada, um, was around uh, 3x, maybe 2.5 to 3x, depending on how fast, how many you know SKUs you had and how much volume you were doing in terms of profit. If your profit margins were above 18 to 20%, you were going to see some really great returns. 
Well, fast forward to 2019, that went up to around 332-ish. Um, go past 2020, and we're now at 4X. So just in the last two years, businesses have almost doubled in their worth. And right now, people are clamoring over each other to acquire e-commerce businesses. I kid you not, there is a massive push. Uh, capitalization, we have funds talking to us about raising $100 million to go buy Amazon companies right now, uh, buy branded e-commerce. That's how big this market has suddenly become. Uh, what they're predicting is six to seven X in the next two years. Um, so e-commerce brands are maturing very quickly. Like I mentioned, there's a window. So you build this structure in mind, you take it out for 18 months ish, and you have more than 12 months of good run rate. You have uh, good profit margins in your business, a great brand, multiple SKUs. It's worth something. So it's not just short-term capital, but it's a long-term opportunity. Um, we've sold multiple businesses. We have one for sale right now in this process. We teach our clients how to do what we do exactly to build a long-term uh, business building and flipping opportunity um, because e-commerce and brands are worth a lot. So you can pull that cord whenever you want to uh, later on. And I recommend you do it on the way up, not on the way down. <laughs> not right. for many of the reasons people try to exit businesses, which are uh, typically negative in their mind. We try to work with people to understand the, the abundance mindset is, of course, uh, sell it on the way up. Uh, sell it when profits are moving upwards and take those profits, reinvest in a new business brand and do it again. Uh, because once you build one, I can show you how to build two and three and turn it into a whole model of sales. Uh, and that's what our business builders are doing is they're really learning how to create that business opportunity, uh, almost like a franchise for Amazon, if you will. Right. Uh, and being able to replicate that process over and over again. Yeah. Reinvesting yourself, number one key to growing uh, sustaining wealth and, you know, generational wealth as well. Not just a one-time flash in the pan uh, to, you know, forward your dream car, but something right. that you can live on and, and reinvest and become a true entrepreneur. Um, maybe some of the challenges I'm curious to get your thoughts on. Sure. Um, we, you were talking about launching without reviews. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, how do, how do you do that? Because without these networks of people who are buying a lot, initially gaining reviews, there's that minimum threshold that people feel, oh yeah, yeah. like I have to have this many reviews yeah. in order to sell a successful product. How, how is that process? Maybe you can like give a peek yeah. behind the curtain. Of well, I think it's a little bit of a, it's a tortoise in the hair kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, again, we operate on a 90 day or one quarter worth of business window. So in that a product launch within that window should maintain certain metrics in our business to uh, basically prove that that product is one we can take out farther in the market. Uh, so we don't need it to have a whole bunch of reviews on it when it goes to market in that first uh, week after. We don't need it to push the sales rank uh, so fast that others are trying to manipulate at this moment. The engine itself, again, wants you to dance with it, but it's also proving whether or not it's giving you all the right check marks. And you won't see this in your seller performance account health. Uh, it's all stuff that's behind the scenes. And over eight years, we've kind of identified what other things Amazon's looking for that, of course, they're not telling you about in your account health. And so in very simple terms, when a product goes to market, we don't need it to have a huge push in the first few weeks. Uh, in the first 21 days to 60 days, we're looking for the dance um, that the Amazon engine is basically rewarding us. What will happen is the acceleration and that whole tortoise and the hare thing uh, will be that we will surpass uh, products that may have launched at the same time within 60 to 90 days. They may be ramping down, following a bell curve. They may not be seeing the reward of the system's growth across multiple keyword rankings, and we do. Uh, and so we looked within that 90 days to have a minimum of five key, uh, five positive reviews on it that are organic in nature. Uh, we then obviously ramp PPC against targeted keywords. We don't care that the A cost stays below 10% in that first 90 days. We are going to buy the market share and we're going to do whatever it takes to buy that market share. Uh, and we are going to go in and own that marketplace, uh, which will take over organic traffic from our competitors. So when we do this type of product uh, market launch, no, we don't need reviews. We need a product that signals uh, to the system uh, as it goes to market that it is better than the other brands currently. And when it starts to see that again, we watch the dance, we watch the signals. We're not smart enough to tell Amazon what it wants. And that's what all those review groups, buyer groups and stuff are trying to do. They're trying to manipulate the, you know, manipulate the engine and tell it what it uh, thinks they want it to tell it. And I say that the right way. They're trying to basically get the engine um, to believe something it isn't actually going to ever believe about your product. And it starts to throw flags off. And don't think that it's not tracking you on all of that. It's not tracking your velocity. Don't think it's not tracking the amount of reviews you get or who they come from or who the friends are of the friends that gave you reviews. 
Um, this system has really gotten pretty sophisticated. And if you let it go organically, if you do it white hat, if you let it build is a more of a slow growth over 30, 60, 90 days after you launch it, you will see a much longer term and higher reward coming uh, with that product in months, um, you know, four, five, six and up. At which point your products will overtake the market and you will stay there. And the people who try to catch you can't catch you. And the people who are there will be doing all the rebate campaigns, giveaways, buyer networks, trying to slash your reviews and doing all the negative things you hear about Amazon and they're whining and complaining because someone came in and stole all their market share. And this right. is the same MO every time we hear it, right? So you're talking about, so if I heard this correctly, launching, slowly building PPC campaign, targeting main keywords, Mm -hmm. not doing any sort of giveaways or any sort of like discounts or anything like that. It's just all organic, hundred yep. percent sales and growth. Yes. How are we, how are we becoming that visibility? Is it all just simply through PPC? There's a way that you do the launch process without getting into the, into the details uh, of doing this uh, through all the data sure. points that again, the in, the engine is, uh, is a learning engine. All right. It's very sophisticated. Uh, it's technical term is the a nine engine. There's an a 10, uh, now as they refer to it, but really people need to know the differences between the two. A nine is the original ranking and algorithmic engine that powers all of amazon.com. 10 is basically adaptations, uh, or new scripts and, and, uh, AI that's running around looking for you jacking with the listing. It's watching reviews. It's watching ranking velocity. It's doing a bunch of other things. That's one of the major updates. Now, the core of the system hasn't changed in eight years. The core of the system that we identified uh, and have been playing with for, for eight years is the same one we started with. Uh, they have just gotten through more fraudulent AI bots and management bots and other things to try to stop people from jacking with the system. Uh, so if you stay within that core engine, it will reward you. Uh, it will reward you over time. Play the dance. Uh, it takes a little bit longer. People are a little frustrated because, you know, they want to see the results faster and who doesn't want to get to a million a month in the first three months, right? Um, you have to be willing to launch more products. You have to be willing to take a little bit more patient turn. You have to be willing to really understand your customer avatar and build a brand. And if you approach it from those points, you will see longevity in this business model. Uh, did I answer your question correctly? I may have got a little off topic. No, no, that, that sounds good. Are you talking about when we're telling people to build a brand, are you going towards data? Or are you going towards passion? What data. are you telling your clients data? Data. Passion is one of those fun things that everybody gets caught up and they're all emotional and we call it don't marry your products uh, because people get married to their products. They don't want to divorce them. And three months later, they're having that, you know, knockdown drag out fight that have to call the police, you know, uh, because it's like, this is getting terrible. And it's literally people get in love and marry their products and they're not willing to leave them. And I'm telling you every product in my book from selling fuzzy bunny slippers to grandma or selling pots and pans to the 27 year old female doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is there's a passionate niche for any of those things out there. There's a customer who wants to buy that product and will buy the better version of it when they believe that the brand is uh, attached to them. It, that's the only emotional connect, not on my end, but on the customer's end. And once I log into that, it's all numbers. On our end of the seller platform, it's all numbers based. It's it's a cold hearted number based game. <laughs> I was gonna say, and you're probably even telling your clients, don't even tie your face or your name to the brand, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, don't need to. Don't need right. to. Because there's other brands out there that are not, no one's ever freaking heard of who are owning spaces in Amazon that you could take on and become the fifth or sixth brand no one's ever heard of and build a really strong brand that has a lot of upside and has a lot of potential visibility, uh, not only within the platform, but outside the platform later on, should you wanna take it into native ads, paid traffic, uh, front end marketing, out to resale, wholesale, and other places. What about when you're launching new products with the new inventory restrictions kind of all over the place? Mm -hmm. Is that is that affecting you guys? This is something that a lot of people and a lot of even big time brands, I've heard it in mastermind calls, they're even saying, it's really hard to navigate in terms of how much to plan for because yeah. Amazon can be a management system where I know why Amazon's doing this. They're doing it because they don't want to have long-term inventory just sitting there. They That's want right. To be a have high velocity yep. uh, warehouse. Mm -hmm. So what, well, what, what, negotiated and, and that's a risk in the business model. And so how you right. overcome risk, you obviously create solutions. And, and one of the ways we've done that is through multiple three PLs uh, that are able to hit certain, um, service level agreements for shipping product in, uh, against our IPI. So IPI rules are different for everybody, of course, based on seller time. I mean, once upon a time we had like 8 billion units of storage space in one of our accounts, right? That would be nice. Um, yep. That was nice. 
Um, but even then, because of the way they reshifted the account currently against the health and seller performance uh, stats, that's not even capable of uh, being done there. So we just have a very just-in-time uh, organizational plan that we teach how to manage. My partner um, has uh, previously had uh, a management logistics financial background and was very good at inventory management uh, for the real estate market. And he just applied that knowledge into physical products and runs a very tight just in time strategy, uh, working with the three PLs and the service level agreements and the inbound products. And he teaches the people basically how to understand that. So you don't have any problems with it. Um, we don't have stock outs, right? There's ways to avoid the stock out. Like one of the biggest problems you want to have, and that's what the sellers are telling you about. They trying to face is a stock out, right? Um, because you know, people like us will come in and, and abuse that opportunity, uh, in an ethical way, of course, uh, when we see our competitors running out of product. Um, but, you know, we have a very strong logistics backend uh, that overcomes that risk. So we will move that product. We will predict certain amounts of product, have it pre-prepped at 3PL and ready to go so that they overlap at, at uh, Amazon. And of course, like anybody else, we run certain restrictions and certain issues. Now, because of where we sell and where we work to get our clients to as quickly as possible, um, we have account reps. You know, we have people inside the business that help support us. Uh, and are willing to help us a little bit more because we have a, a much bigger standing. But we're also able to put it in a good word for our clients too. Um, what also? That also helps. <laughs> so, so you have that. That sounds like a great, like obviously, a problem to have where you have a good relationship with both Amazon. But um, yes. a lot of even logistics people we've had on the show say, don't cheap it out. Like, don't go for the lowest cost out there, the lowest bid. Do somebody who's going to do you service, like you said you have standards that you have to be met. They Correct. have to fulfill them. You do. And if you have to pay for that, then- Well, and why, are, why is everybody complaining about their A costs? Why is everybody complaining about their inventory? Why are they all complaining about Amazon's management fees? It's a very simple answer. They're not playing at the right level of profit. They're trying to take all of that out of a $7 profit margin. And Correct. what they're left with is like 50 cents per unit. And that's why, so why, why, are pe why are more people not taking that approach than like, Hey, I'm only playing with, I'm selling something at $10 and it takes $3. Like you play with the math right from the get go. And if you're only playing dollar profits at a time, well, why are people not? The thing is people are not, people are not. And I, I buy a lot of the Amazon coaching programs that are out there. And one of the things that is always negligent is to teach people how to become business managers business managers of an Amazon business. What does it look like? And I go and ask these folks and many of the people who come in, I ask them, you know, what's your profit margin? Do you know what your net uh, profit is, net percentage? You know, do you know what it is after all landed costs? And guess what? Most of them can't answer those questions. Even sellers who've come to us doing over a million a year in sales can't answer those questions. So one of the main things we teach is business management as the first step. Business management, how do you actually understand how to make this business profitable? How do you cash flow it? And how do you maintain its growth while paying yourself out profits? And it isn't selling $12 products and it isn't $7 profit margins. And those people screaming about all those things um, were lead, you know, led or taught or misled into understanding uh, that the department category opportunities of Amazon is where everybody needs to play in the sub $25 range. And quite honestly, that's only a opportunity if you're willing to offer one of those products as a loss leader uh, to the rest of your brand. And that's a whole different strategy we deploy. <laughs> right. I was going to say, there. It, it sounds like if, if I were me selling online and going through what I heard today, I'm thinking more, I'd rather sell one product than 20 of the same product or a different product to get to that same profit margin level. Yes, because here's the thing. Project. If you're, if you're making seven bucks in profit after all cost of at the end of the day, and you still have to pay for Amazon, you know, marketing. Okay. You're going to be screaming about your a cost being too high. Right. So you'll shut it off and you'll complain Amazon's not getting you any sales and it doesn't work. Uh, you won't have enough profit to do the right level of marketing within the system at the end of the day and therefore you will scream about the opportunity. So how do you overcome that? No, you sell products that have more profit in them. It's just not more complicated than that. And you have to be willing to invest in that opportunity to ensure uh, that you will see the benefits of that outcome. Uh, and once you do, you'll be recognized, but a little bit, a little bit longer down the road than I think some people are willing to tolerate. Uh, and that's, you know, hopefully that's one of the key takeaways here for today. If you're going to build this as a business, go serious with it. Um, sell products that are great with good profits, uh, and learn how to manage the business. And if you understand that your mindset will come along for the ride. Uh, because what we're talking about is a very different level of mindset than one that I've seen coached through many of the programs I've reviewed. 
Uh, and that is really and truly how to understand how to make this a real business. You don't just get to seven and eight figures because, well, it just magically happens. And it doesn't happen off a couple of SKUs. And when it does, that's a unicorn. Okay. That's a lottery mindset mentality, as I refer to it. It's scratch yeah. and sniff. And, you know, can I win my money? If you are desperate for money and you need it in the next 30 days, Amazon selling is not for you. Yeah. And you can go try side hustle and retail arbitrage and online arbitrage, and you can get some cash flow going and more power to you because those, those do work if you're careful uh, to not get your Amazon account shut down. Um, but again, the real opportunity for business is to start out building it with the end in mind from the very beginning. It's great stuff as always. And Neil, I would like dive into more, obviously this is, this is stuff I'm constantly, if you see me looking down, I'm writing notes and everything like that. But if people want to learn more, obviously what voltage is doing, yeah. what's kind of that, that next two thirds of the year looking like for you guys, for your team, what are yeah. you focused on? And, uh, where can we learn more about you guys? Well, we take about hard. 10 to 15 people per quarter into our consulting. We keep it very tight. I'm, I interview everybody. I want to know who they are and what they're doing. I'm looking for the right aptitude and the right mindset of business level to go after this. Um, I can't solve everybody's problems. I don't try. I don't have one of the low level offers. Um, my costs are a little bit more for the consulting and, uh, and the opportunity, of course, is bigger because we do it in a what we call a, a pay as you profit model. We typically work with people for 12 months with the goal of getting them out 18 months to sale and exit of the business with specific profit margins and growth metrics and other things we want to see them achieve during that 12 month time frame. So we typically give uh, an incentive performance goal uh, and we ask people to understand how that works and the capital investment and the, at least the first 90 days worth of consulting and due diligence of setting up the business and finding the products and understanding the market. And we do it all with them. Uh, I don't let anybody go to market with a product I wouldn't sell in a brand uh, myself. Uh, what I'm doing, and I'll tell you my evil capitalistic goal and agenda here, Ryan, you ready for it? Uh, it. Is to get as many of my business builders to exit their businesses as possible to my investment groups or brokerages um, because it's worth money for us and it's a win-win for them. And I can introduce them to the capital uh, to want to buy these businesses when they're framed in the same way. And remember that story from back, back in 2019 when I was asked to start this up was because those investment and brokerage companies said, we want you to build these companies so we can buy them. So what I've done is I've gone into a mentorship role um, and teaching people how to become a CEO of their business. Uh, you can go to voltagedm.com to check that out. There's a little video there. Uh, it's called our business builders program. And it really is about building business with the end in mind. Um, our goal is to exit those companies with you uh, and to help you achieve that goal. And we do it on a pace performance so we know we can get the results. And again, 10 to 15 people or so at a time, I'm literally down to about five slots left uh, because I want to put enough time and energy, and my partner does as well, uh, into the direct relationship we have with these folks to get them to these kind of successes. That's amazing. Well, and all those links are actually in our show notes below. So go ahead and check right. out and follow. Obviously, Neil and his team over at Voltage, um, which obviously changed names. So it's mm -hmm. it's formerly this and all this other stuff. And you, you have simple. all these <laughs> you have all these other products going on or projects going on. I should say. I like, do. We have a couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's why I'm trying to like, man, you guys have so much going on, which is a good in entrepreneur mindset. I think is when you can actually juggle and you can kind of be successful in all these different facets whether it's mentorship, also selling, also, yeah. you know, you know, uh, private equity, all this other fun stuff where you're trying to help people to exit their businesses. That's a sign of success. And I know that's where you're trying to help other people accomplish as well. Yes, sir. Thank you for that. Awesome. Well, yeah, well, thanks for hopping on Crossover Commerce today. Um, if they want to reach out to you, is there a way, best way to do that as well? You can hit me up on Facebook. You can email me at neil at voltagedm.com, V-O-L-T-A-G-E-D-M.com. Go to Voltage DM, check out the little training video that's on there for more information about the business builder stuff and what we're doing with consulting and uh, launching, operating, and acquiring these e-commerce brands. Um, if you just look me up on social media or LinkedIn, you'll find me. Small awesome. name, big guy, small name. <laughs> You can't lose. You can't miss me. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, con congrats on the continued success of you and your family, and obviously the growing Thanks, of man. you know e-commerce in in Middle America. Uh, keep up the good work. Are you traveling anywhere? Obviously, for any events or anything like that this year, or I, I have been asked to speak at an event in October. It looks like we might be in okay. Florida um, for cool. a digital video event to talk a little bit about specifically how uh, sponsored brands and video is becoming a huge opportunity for brands uh, on Amazon. 
to really take video to the next level. And this is a conference on video. Uh, and we will probably be out there in October. And I might be masterminding with my business builders as of yesterday. They're like, we want a meeting. So uh, we might be chatting. Fine. Uh, yeah, exactly. About a meeting in Florida. <laughs> hey, that, that sounds good to me. It's co- It was yeah. cold here yesterday. So I'm, I'm all about going where warm weather is. So, well, Absolutely. thanks so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce right. again. Uh, why Amazon FBA is still the best way to sell online. Thanks so much, Neil. Uh, again, that was Neil of Voltage. Uh, make sure you go check him out. Again, all the links are in the show notes below. Check out VoltageDM.com. Again, make sure you connect with Neil on all the social media platforms, specifically Facebook. Take your business to the next level. Why not? There's so many nuggets that we learned in that space, how to build your brain effectively, be smart about your money, and then maybe even refocus your mindset, if you will. So that being said, Uh, This was an awesome episode. It goes so quickly every time we hop in this chair here at Crossover Commerce. Again, thanks for hopping on and listening to episode 103, Why Amazon FBA is Still the Best Way to Sell Online. Two more live episodes coming this week. Make sure you subscribe to Crossover Commerce uh, through Ping Pong's YouTube page or just follow myself, Ryan Kramer, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm on all the social media platforms. Clubhouse, always good stuff we're sharing there as well. Thanks for listening to Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you on episode 104 tomorrow, Tuesday, with, uh, we have Amy Weiss. Actually, I'll go ahead and flash it right there. Why your Amazon listing isn't converting with Amazing at Home. Amy just coming back from her trip uh, in Mexico, but she is ready to start sharing that insight of why your listing isn't converting. So make sure you tune in next time on Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone.